Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Antisthenes was one of the students and friends of Socrates, the philosopher from Athens, who we know so much about because of Plato and Xenophon. Antisthenes himself, although he wrote a lot of books, none of them have survived, and what we know of him comes to us largely through people like Diogenes Laertes or Xenophon. And Diogenes Laertes credits Antisthenes with being the founder of the school of cynicism, the school, you could say, of the hound or the dog. And there's a bit of discussion and disagreement in the scholarship in the present day about whether Diogenes, who is reputed to have been Antisthenes' student, is really the founder of cynicism or whether Antisthenes was the founder. We're just going to go with this notion that Antisthenes derives a certain way of living from Socrates, inaugurates this school, and that Diogenes was his student, more famous than him in some respects, and that's, you know, one narrative that we can go with, in part because there are reasons that are given against that narrative, but the, the reasons, I don't think, support Diogenes being the originator any more than they do Antisthenes. So we're just going to go with Diogenes' narrative here. He is a student of Socrates, and like most of the students of Socrates, he focused on certain aspects of what it was that this figure taught. And so Diogenes tells us that he learned endurance. This is an important term, carteria, from Socrates, and also disregard of feeling, apathes or apatheia, the capacity not to be affected by one's feelings, one's desires and aversions, the, the whole range of affectivity, having a capacity to control yourself. And another term that gets used that's very important for Socrates and also important for Antisthenes is temperance or self-control, sophrosune, right? So all of this involves a capacity to resist the appetites, a capacity to make ourselves feel less of the things that we shouldn't feel. That doesn't mean that we don't feel anything. Another important thing that gets talked about here before we get into the discussion of, of wisdom and virtue specifically is this interesting question that gets asked, what good is philosophy? And here we have to depart from, you know, what we might think of as academic philosophy. We'll get to that in a moment. This is philosophy as it's lived. And Antisthenes says, it's the ability to hold converse with myself, to be able to have an interior dialogue, to be able to be on my own and not craving for stimulation or conversation with other people. Now, that said, Diogenes also reports, and I think this is corroborated by what we see of Antisthenes, for example, in Xenophon, that he was able to talk with people very easily. Here we go. Of all the Socratics, Antisthenes alone is praised by Theopompus, so there were writings about him that we've lost, who says he had consummate skill and could by means of an agreeable discourse win over whomsoever he pleased. And then he refers to Xenophon 
Khan's banquet or symposium. And so that's quite interesting, isn't it? That this guy, he could be on his own, totally on his own and be cool with that. And yet if he was engaging with other people, he would be able to converse with them and even bring them to another way of living or at least reconsidering things in that he's very much like Socrates. Another thing that, that Diogenes Laertes tells us about, and this is sort of a legacy thing, which is quite interesting, is that he, Antisthenes, leads to the, and there's different ways of translating this, the text that I have here, the indifference, but it could also be translated as not being easily moved, apatheia of Diogenes, right? The enkrateia, the continence it's translated, self-control is another great way to translate it, being able to resist things, endurance is another way of krates, and then the karteria of Zeno, translated as hardihood, but also could be translated as endurance. And it's interesting because if we look at Aristotle, and I think this this reflects not just Aristotle's own doctrine, but a, a division that's being made, enkrateia means not being mastered by pleasures. And carteria means not being mastered by pains. So they're two sides of the same thing. And Antisthenes' way of life and the cynic approach that he's taking, whether it's called cynicism at the time or not, is held to lead to these good qualities. So let's talk about virtue itself, arete, excellence. This is something that the ancient Greeks were very focused on. It plays a major role in their ethics. So there's a lot of things that Diogenes Laertes tells us that Antisthenes said about virtue. One of the most important ones is that it is sufficient for happiness. So this is this is an idea that the cynics have, the Stoics later, you know, founded by Zeno, are going to have this as well. And he says also that nobility or you know being a genuinely good person belongs to none other than the virtuous. So this is a radical doctrine. He also says that virtue can be taught, which is very important because otherwise we wouldn't be able to enjoy the happiness we would like to have. If it's sufficient for happiness, but you can't teach it, then you either have to find it or not. The fact that it can be taught is, is very important. A little bit later, he also calls it a weapon that cannot be taken away. Now, what does that mean? So unlike so many other things that we might have that we could consider to be good things, virtue can't be taken away. The only one that can cause you to lose virtue when you have it is you deciding to throw it away for other things like physical pleasures or not feeling pain or having lots of money or fame or following the social rules, you know, following the law of custom and habit that he's going to refer to a little bit later, you know, meeting social expectations, all of those things, you can have those, but those can be taken away. Whereas virtue, you have that. It's something that you've acquired. A little bit later, he also says virtue is a matter of actions, erga, deeds, the things that you actually do. And it doesn't require words, logoi, or learning. And the word there is the word that we use for study or for, for being a pupil of somebody. That doesn't mean that words and learning don't play any role, as we're going to see. He actually advocates laying up a store of them in a certain way. 
but it also means that the, the stress has to be laid on what you actually do. There's a great story in here about one of the things that he does. So he says, Antisthenes is held responsible for the exile of Anatus and the execution of Miletus. Now, who are these people? These are the people who brought the charges against Socrates and got him killed. So of all of the students of Socrates, Antisthenes is the one who gets things done. <laughs> he gets Anatus exiled by running into a bunch of other guys who are there to study with Socrates. He's like, well, you could study with him, but that guy over there got him killed. So they drive him out and Miletus is actually executed. So, you know, that's, you could say, a matter of justice. Another thing that he stresses that we see going through sometimes into the Stoic school in authors like Musonius Rufus, for example, is that virtue is the same for women as it is for men. This appears to have been a genuinely Socratic teaching, as we see reflected, for example, in the Mino or in the Republic very clearly. And Antisthenes seems to have taken that to heart himself. So that's that's a very important point. When we move on to talking about wisdom, and we're going to come back to virtue in a moment, wisdom is very closely connected with virtue for him. He says the wise person is going to be guided by the laws of virtue, what it is that virtue demands or requires of us, not the laws that we're accustomed to within the city. And this is very typical of the cynic viewpoint. This is one reason why, you know, if this is correct, he would be a founder of cynicism. The cynic said social conventions are not as important as following our actual nature. And our nature is to be beings that can cultivate virtue. A little bit later, and this goes to the question of whether we need words or learning, he's going to say wisdom is a most secure stronghold or set of walls, which never crumbles away, nor is betrayed. Walls of defense must be constructed in our own impregnable, that is undefeatable reasonings. And here he uses logis mois, right? So logos is words or, or discourses. Logis mois, that means something that's kind of structured, things that we could think about. And we know that Antisthenes actually wrote books. So presumably a lot of this was in the books that have been lost since then. But the notion is that by living a certain life, by learning things about the world, learning things about ourselves, making certain proper decisions, we establish a set of you know, fortifications within ourselves. Another thing that he says that's really quite interesting, nothing is foreign or impracticable, and we'll talk about what those words mean, for the wise person. Now, a little, we have to modify that because a little bit later, Diogenes Laertes says that good actions are fair, evil actions foul, count all wickedness as foreign or alien, and that's just actually translating the same two words, xeno uh, or xenos, right? So if it's good stuff, or in different things, nothing is foreign to the wise person. The cynic stressed cosmopolitanism, being a member of the cosmos rather than just being a citizen of a particular city, and this is reflective of it. Impracticable, unable to be done, finding yourself in, you might say, a dead end where you can't proceed, 
For the wise person, anything that they want to set their mind to, they can find a poros, a way. So they're not aporon. They're not stuck in aporia, where they can't do anything. And this is a little bit different than what we see in the operatic dialogues in Plato or Socrates, you know, says, well, we just don't know how to proceed. He also talks about love and friendship. And this is, again, a very radical doctrine. Those who we feel erotic desire towards and get into relationships with, and we can pursue what the flesh needs very easily, Antisthenes says. We'll put that aside. But when it comes to feeling of affection, you know, loving somebody in the other sense, who should we love? We should love the good. Even if our family are close to us, if they're not good people, we really should transfer that feeling of love to other people. He says, this person will not disdain to love. Only the wise person knows who are worthy to be loved. So wisdom helps us with that. He tells us esteem an honest person, uh, you know, a, a good person over a kinsman. Be with a handful of good men fighting against all the bad than the hosts of bad men against a handful of good men. He says, even enemies can be helpful. Pay attention to your enemies because they reveal to you your faults, which then you can work on to become more virtuous and wise. Even your, your enemies don't intend anything good for you, but they can be turned to good. So this is what we've got in Diogenes Laertes of Antisthenes' teachings and sayings and way of life. This would be a very early example of the Cynic school, if indeed Antisthenes is the founder of the Cynic school. And all of this is very consistent with what it is that later Cynics, at least the good ones, are preaching and practicing. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.